0: To Ghoul Rambles podcast. I am beyond thrilled you're here listening. I am your host, Shawnee. Please join me as I dive into the unknown and am a voice for the voiceless. Today's episode is the mysterious, unsolved death of Tanner Barton. Disclaimer, everything that I will be mentioning in this episode was pieced together to create an approximate timeline of what possibly could have happened and or allegedly happened. Whatever words I mention from someone else are not those of my own and are all allegedly. Let me say that again to make it clear, allegedly. If I mention facts, those are sourced from legal documentation that is included in Tanner Barton's case files. If I share any of my own personal opinions, they are exactly that. I am in no way a professional. I am taking what information I was able to find and obtain to be able to share with others solely for the purpose of the victim, Tanner Barton. Also for his family to get the truth to what happened to Tanner. Most importantly, for Tanner to get justice for what happened to him, which to this day is still unknown. Therefore, I am here sharing his story with you today. I would like to state that I have personally reached out to all of the individuals that were present in the home when Tanner Barton passed away, some of those who were interviewed by the police the day that Tanner Barton unexpectedly passed away, also those who were said not to be present at the time of Tanner's death, but were present when the emergency professionals arrived on scene. I have spoken with Tanner's mother, Michelle Barton. She is fully aware of Ghoul Rambles' podcast, as well as any and all episodes relating to her son, Tanner Barton. Michelle Barton knows that I am here to help get justice for Tanner by being a voice for him as my intro states I am a voice for the voiceless. I would like to state that I am no way accusing, placing blame, or going based on any theories I will be focusing on all the main points here. I know personally, those alone are telling enough. And if you listen through to the end, you'll start to have questions yourself, just wait. I am sharing Tanner's story because I don't think that everything that happened on April 21st and April 22nd of 2012, the night leading up to and the day that Tanner Barton passed away was stated truthfully to the police when those individuals were questioned about what happened in that house. I also think that there are other individuals who should have been questioned that weren't. There are also more individuals who know what happened and aren't speaking up which is disheartening and disgusting. Tanner Barton was born on July 2, 1992 in Kokomo, Indiana to Jeff and Michelle Barton. This would be their first child and their only son. Less than two years later, they had a baby girl named Jameson who would grow up to be one of Tanner's very best friends. As a child, Tanner was very outgoing, funny, and always trying to make other people laugh. He started playing football in the first grade. He would grow up to be a phenomenal football player, he was All-Stay and even made the North-South All-Stars team as an offensive lineman. He went to Marion University on a football scholarship. Tanner's talents and interests consisted of far more than football. To name a few were heavyweight, heavyweight wrestling, choir, theater, bowling, playing the guitar, and singing impromptu songs. Tanner was one to light up the room with his smile. It was an infectious smile he had. He had an extremely positive attitude. He was one who could be friends with anyone, as Tanner knew no stranger. Tanner was funny, a practical jokester, the kind of guy who always had cute nicknames for practically everyone that was a part of his life, including his mother, Michelle, who he so lovingly called Mama Sue. Tanner's dreams went beyond uh, being a phenomenal football player while attending Marion University, His dream was to become a physical therapist. Tanner made the Dean's List not once, but twice his freshman year of college. He even tutored other college students along with his strong dedication to sports and his own academic career. He was just getting started and he would have changed so many lives, both personally and professionally, which is why what I'm about to share is so hard to not only know, but also to share with others but has to be shared for Tanner's justice. Tanner, your justice is coming. On the weekend of April 21st, 2012, Tanner came home for the weekend like any average college kid with laundry in tow prepared with bear hugs for his mom and a home-cooked meal, exciting new things to talk about with his dad like his cool new sideburns. Tanner had taken an afternoon nap and when he had woke, he had enjoyed dinner with his family before he left his parents' house at around 5 p.m. that evening where he was heading off to go to Purdue University to attend a party with his girlfriend who was an incoming freshman. Tanner hugged his mom, shook his dad's hand, and then waved as he drove off down the road. On Sunday, April 22, 2012, Michelle received a phone call from Tanner's best friend, Tommy. This was the phone call that changed Michelle's life forever. Tommy had told Michelle there had been an accident and said that he thought that Tanner was dead. Michelle assumed that maybe there had been a car accident as Tanner's plans were to make the 45-minute drive to Purdue University the night before. Michelle did the first thing she could think of to find out what was going on with her son. She called her neighbor in a panic, who happened to be a police officer. Michelle asked him to find out if what she had heard was true. Her neighbor soon called back and told and confirmed that Tanner had, in fact, passed away, and that's all he knew. By this time, they found out that Tanner was at another friend's house, Marcus Salzar. Michelle and Tanner's father, Jeff, found out Marcus lived and headed to the home right away as they pulled up the long driveway they could see people standing outside they seen the dreadful yellow caution tape that no one wants to see when they just found out their child had passed away it is scary confusing and a nightmare that no one ever wants to live through Michelle and Jeff Barton were told they were not allowed to go inside the house where their son was as it was an active investigation from this point Um, there are far more questions than answers trust me this is a very conflicting and confusing ride so please pay close attention according to three of the individuals that gave witness statements to the Howard County Sheriff's Department the morning of Tanner's death Tanner allegedly arrived at the Scooter residence sometime between 9.30 p.m. and 10.30 p.m. on April 21st of 2012. Each time frame that was stated in the witness statements were different and conflicting. According to other witnesses, and Tanner's actual cell phone, Tanner had gone to the movies with his friend Adam. Once the movie had finished, it was said they smoked marijuana in the parking lot together. Soon after, Adam headed home as he allegedly did not feel well. Tanner then texted his friend Marcus who had earlier in the evening invited Tanner over for a party going on at his house. Tanner asked if the offer was still open. It was so Tanner said he was heading over. That text was sent at around 8.30pm so that would roughly put Tanner's arrival time to the Lin- Linscoot's home at around 8.50pm I say it's best to go by Tanner's actual text messages on this one. Once Tanner was at the Linskoo's home, he allegedly spoke with Marcus's stepfather, Jeff Linskoo, about finishing up a paper he had to do for school. Tanner asked where Marcus was, and Jeff said that Marcus was in the basement. Tanner headed down to hang out with Marcus and his younger sister, Michaela, where it was stated that they played video games. At some point, Marcus's mother had made Tanner sandwiches. When and if she did, I don't know. It was mentioned in Jeff Scoot's witness statement. Marcus said he had went to bed around 12.15 a.m., then at around 12.40 a.m., Michaela and Tanner decided they wanted to go to get some donuts. Michaela said they had only been at the bakery for about 10 to 15 minutes. She stated that she had tried to call another friend to go by there for a visit, but her friend had, was allegedly sleeping. According to Michaela, her and Tanner made no other stops and arrived back at the Lindquist home around 1:45 a.m. Once back at the house, Michaela stated that she said goodnight to her parents, who were already in bed. Then Michaela and Tanner returned back downstairs to the basement, where it was stated that Tanner allegedly said he didn't want to be sober. So Michaela got a fruity drink for herself and a beer for Tanner. Once those were finished, Tanner allegedly said that he wasn't satisfied. So allegedly Tanner had gone upstairs to get a bottle of liquor and some pineapple juice. Michaela stated in her witness interview that they both had two pineapple mixtures. Notice that she said mixture and not mixed drink. Hmm. Um, She said that during this time she had been confiding in Tanner about her problems and he was just listening as a friend. According to Tanner's phone records, between 2.07 a.m. and 2.11 a.m. is the last time Tanner spoke to someone on the phone and that was outside of the house. That call was with Tanner's girlfriend, Micah. Allegedly, she had stated that she had heard rambunctiousness and girls in the background. Michaela stated... That the last time she had looked at the clock prior to Tanner collapsing, it was around 3 a.m. Tanner had gotten up, staggered to the stairs, when he attempted to walk on the first step. He then made a weird noise, turned, and collapsed to the floor. Michaela stated that she thought Tanner was joking, so she laughed and then jokingly checked his pulse. Then she shook him. She said that he snored, so she assumed that he had just passed out from drinking. She then stepped over his body and walked to the couch not far from where he had collapsed to go to sleep, which she said was around 3.30 a.m. Later on that morning, Jeff Scoot said in his witness statement that he'd woken up around 7.30 a.m., then at around 8.30 30 is when he got out of bed, fed the animals. Shortly thereafter, he went to the basement to get one of their family dogs. He said that's when he seen Tanner, quote, sleeping on the basement floor. Jeff stated that he thought it would be funny to take a photo because the kids had previously been found sleeping in various places throughout the house. He then emailed that photo to his wife, Carol, on his work phone, who was said to be out running errands and going to the tanning salon at this time. Michaela said she woke up at around 9. That's when she realized that Tanner was still laying in the same place as he was when she left him around 3.30 a.m. to go to sleep. She then ran upstairs to get her stepdad, Jeff. She said, Something's wrong with Tanner. She said that she thought he had broken his nose. Jeff said he ran downstairs, rolled Tanner over, and that's when he realized that Tanner was in fact dead. His face was blue and his nose was bleeding. Allegedly around this time Marcus had woken up, which is when Jeff told Marcus to call 911, which was around 9:30 a.m. Yeah, we can all agree that none of what happened after Tanner left his parents' house makes sense, right? Tanner's autopsy showed that there were no external injuries or signs of pre-existing conditions. According to the coroner's report, urine was unable to be obtained from Tanner's body. Tanner's blood work showed he was positive for marijuana, and his blood alcohol level was 0.063%, the equivalent of one to two beers when you consider Tanner's size, as he was 6'2 and 280 pounds. With the toxology results and no further findings, Tanner's death was ruled natural due to positional asphyxia, because for some reason Tanner was unable to reposition himself to allow himself to breathe, as any average human being would naturally do while they were in fact sleeping. Tanner's case remained open until April 2018 when his case was unexpectedly closed with cause of death changed to accidental. There is far more that goes into Tanner's case being closed that is covered by several other podcasters, which I will be directing you to a fellow podcaster friend who has gone into extreme depth on Tanner's case and everything relating to it. Trust me, you're going to want to listen to every single episode. I will be linking her podcast in the description. Wanted to keep my focus on what was said to have happened those early hours on April 22nd in 2012. Wanted to find out what really happened to Tanner. That's why sharing his story with as many people as possible and getting his case reopened is so important. This needs to happen in order for the truth to come out and for Tanner to finally get the justice he deserves his family has been fighting for, for nine years. This week first officially marks nine years without the truth, the cause of death, and why no one called 911 at the first sign of struggle. With that being said, when Tanner's case was closed, his family requested his case file, which included three conflicting toxology reports. First toxology report was done by Howard County, which included a drug panel and blood alcohol tests. Tanner tested positive for THC and cannabinoids, negative for all other drugs, so then his blood alcohol level was 0.063%. A second toxicology report was with a urine test, which stated that Tanner was negative for all drugs, including THC, cannabinoids, and alcohol. Mind you, during the autopsy, it was noted in the Quarters report that urine was unable to be obtained from the body. How does that work? Can someone please tell me how does this work? <laughs> then the third toxology report was done by AIT Labs. It showed that Tanner was negative for alcohol, positive for THC, and cannabinoids. So what is the truth here? Probably the first toxology result as witnesses stated that Tanner had been smoking marijuana on the days leading up to his death had also been witnessed drinking alcohol prior to his him collapsing i don't think i am wrong to question what the hell where did the urine come from no one knows why it conflicts with the first toxicology report and with the fact that witnesses stated that tanner had been seen drinking alcohol and smoking marijuana on the days leading up to his death this is a fish sitting in the sun for sure Y'all smell that? It's pretty fishy, right? So, you may be wondering do I have my own theory? Yes, absolutely I do. With the information that I've already provided, and along with other information stated by the lead detective of Tanner's case, that there were signs of an overdose. There was foam in Tanner's lungs and in his mouth. His nose had been bleeding prior to him collapsing because there was blood on Tanner's right hand as if he had wiped his nose when he realized it had began to bleed. There is so much information pertaining to all this. I have more information than I've shared with you today. However, it is available through other podcast episodes and also via a Facebook group, which I will share and also link with this episode as I've previously stated wanted to keep this episode simple and straight to the point that something happened to tanner that night and the truth has yet to be told whether what happened to tanner was an accident or intentionally i don't know only the ones who were with tanner that night know i just know that everything that was given to the barton family just doesn't add up it does not add up at all anyone with common sense would know this and question many things about the night leading up to tanner's death and at how he actually died and what the hell has been going on since that day in April 2012. Conflicting times of his arrival, conflicting toxicology reports, and all the other absurd, hurtful, and evil things that have taken place following Tanner's untimely death. My biggest issue is that with as many individuals that were in that home, why didn't anyone call 911 until six hours later? That right there is enough information to crush all these individuals with pressure. There was said to be five individuals in that home when Tanner collapsed. Not one of them picked up the phone and pressed three simple numbers we all know. I want to know why and what kind of friend doesn't freak out when their friend collapses and dies on their basement floor. I know guys don't show a lot of emotion, but I can tell you what. I know damn well a true friend would be freaking out, dialing 911, contacting their friend's parents, siblings, and other friends, saying, oh my god. I know that anyone with an ounce of compassion in their heart would at least call 911. I've run around my younger brother and his te- friends as they were teenagers, and they did a lot of stupid shit and always left me worrying, but I know damn well they knew when it was time to call for emergency assistance or at least to get an adult. As I stated at the beginning of this episode, I reached out to all the individuals that were said to be at the home when Tanner passed away and who was there shortly after. I only received two responses, which were from Carol Cooney, formerly known as Carol Linscu. She sent me two links, both including false information. Thanks, but no thanks. I don't need more false information and someone who isn't a podcaster telling me how to do a podcast. I think I did pretty freaking well, and I don't even have a college degree. Imagine that. Michaela Selzar also sent me the same two links as Carol, who was also her mother, along with a message. Hello, Shawnee. I hope you are doing well. I am sending you links to information I think you might appreciate knowing. I wish you luck with your podcast and hope you respect my family and friends' wish for space and peace. End quote. Michaela, I want to say thank you for taking the time to properly address me by name and wish me luck on my podcast. I had a little faith in you that one day you'd come forward and tell the truth about what happened to Tanner as you stated in May 2012 on Facebook that Tanner was one of your best friends. Friends have each other's backs, and I think it's time for you to have Tanner's back because he clearly had your back when you wanted those donuts and wanted to talk to him about your problems as he sat there and listened. As for your family wanting space and peace, you all would have had it had you given Tanner's family peace by simply stating the truth nine years ago. We all still have more questions than answers. You're now resorting to sending podcasters links with false information, including false information about yourself. I went ahead and sent you both a link to an episode breaking down that blog post for you, done by my friend and fellow podcaster, Lindsay Ann, of Can't Stop, Won't Stop. I highly suggest you take a listen to that episode and all other episodes she has done discussing Tanner Barton's case. This girl knows her shit. Trust me. I know she'd call 911. To my listeners, I also encourage you to listen to Can't Stop, Won't Stop podcast for more in-depth look into the rabbit hole of lies. To learn more about Canner's case, why it closed, and all other unnecessary things that have taken place since his death, including his mother being stalked, harassed, and threatened with lawsuits. I would like to Ask that if you haven't already to please sign the petition I started with his family to get Tanner Barton's case reopened and to also share it. It is through change.org. It is linked through all Ghoul Rambles podcast socials Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. No matter what, I want this petition to have 10,000 signatures by July 2nd, 2021, which would have been Tanner's 29th birthday. I want to see more and more people rally together to sign this petition for Tanner because 2021 is the year we're getting his case reopened. I would like to give a special thanks to Michelle Barton for sharing her son's story with me, for your strength, and also for being such a wonderful friend. I want to thank all those who have taken the time to listen. It is greatly appreciated. I hope you will take the time to continue learning about Tanner Barton's story and become a voice for the voiceless. Again, I will link all mentioned references, Can't Stop, Won't Stop podcasts, and also the petition for Tanner, which is on Ghoul Rambles' socials. You can find Ghoul Rambles' podcast on Twitter and Instagram, the username at Ghoul Rambles, also on Facebook by searching Ghoul Rambles Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to be a voice for the voiceless. I am Shawnee. Stay spooky, and I will ramble again with you soon.